So uh, just so you know, you, know, you probably aren't paying any attention to this because it didn't involve, I don't think, any of you. Uh, we had an inquires, we're having an inquires weekend this weekend, uh, and we'd had a first in 27 years. Yep. Uh, everyone who came to the Inquirer's Weekend uh, has barely come here and, you know, just started uh, in the last 16 months. And uh, they needed a tour of the building because they've only been in here if they've been here at all. Um, you know, Joe got to show them the the gym, the, you know, best thing about our building. And um, uh, I will, all, when, I, when I retire, that will go down as one of my proudest moments is that I pastored a church with a gym. Now, just three quarters of a gym, but still, three quarters of a gym is better than no gym at all, right? Uh, uh, which, you know, is all, stands as a reminder because we started in a gym. Uh, so... Uh, there's a theme there. But anyway, we started on uh, Jonah last week. Uh, all, all that to say about the tour of the building. Uh, you know, uh, it, it would be funny. It would be, it, would, it would be interesting to see what someone's perception of the church is who's never been downstairs. Right? I mean, just, just think about that. Or that has never been anywhere but between that door and a seat in here. It's just, it's just interesting, isn't it? So, uh, praise the Lord, all that's about to change, we hope. So, we should pray to that end. So, we started Jonah last week. I did a, uh, you know, kind of an overview of the book, and then we uh, dove into the first uh, couple of uh, verses, and we're going to uh, do that again this morning. I included the beginning verses that we talked about last week just to kind of keep us... Uh, going uh, through the text, but we're going to primarily look at the latter part of the text that I'm going to read you uh, this morning. So, but before I get to that, let me pray and, and we'll, uh, we'll jump in. Lord, we thank you today for the rain. Um, we don't take that for granted. Uh, it's not just a bother, but it is actually a reminder to us uh, that you do send rain on the earth and that uh, it waters and gives life. And so we're grateful for that. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your provision. We're also reminded today to uh, thank you for uh, the life that you uh, have given us uh, in the community of believers. And Lord, we, do, we probably don't do this as much as we should, but we thank you for this local church, this local body of believers that you love, that you have raised up, that you have called uh, into existence here in time and in space. And so we look to you, as we've already sung today, that you are our life, that we don't have anything else but Jesus, but oh, we have Jesus. So that is uh, our boast, and that is our hope, and that is our joy today. So Lord, uh, by your Spirit, make that real to us, we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So Jonah 1, 1 to 4, uh, text is up on the screens behind me. Uh, and in the bulletin, this is the word of God. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. 
But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. So let's do a quick review. Jonah's a, a world-famous prophet. Uh, he has uh, great ties to the political structure that's there in the northern kingdom of Israel. He's well-known uh, and uh, uh, well-thought-of. Um, uh, his nationalism has, uh, has borne fruit, his prophecy about even though Jeroboam II, who's the king, was uh, uh, continued uh, in sin, uh, God was merciful and expanded the borders of the nation. Word comes to Jonah, go to Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians, as we mentioned last week, worst people on the planet, worst nation, maybe one of the worst oppressors ever to be uh, upon the face of the earth. And God is extending mercy to them. He is giving them, sending them a prophet to tell them the truth, so to give them an opportunity to repent and to turn from their ways. We're not told here why Jonah makes the decision. We're told later in the book, but we're not told here why he makes the decision to run, but he runs and he goes to Tarshish which is the exact opposite direction of the way he would have gone to Nineveh. And, and it's as far as you can go in the, the known world uh, west before you fall off uh, the end of the planet. It's the end of the maps. There isn't anything else out there, right? Such an interesting thought to think about this, right? To, to see what happens here and to see how ludicrous sin is. How ludicrous it is. Now, sometimes you might, you know, someone might find themselves in a situation or find themselves in trouble because they don't understand, they have not been taught, uh, they, don't, they do not know what the truth of the grace of God is, they don't, they don't know about the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, they, they don't know about the Holy Spirit, they, they don't know about the God who created and redeemed, they, they don't know those things, and so they say so they make decisions and they do things that are that are troublesome and that, that lead to trouble. But it is, it is one of the biggest mysteries of the world, and this should, this should make you scratch your head. Why would someone who's tasted the grace of God, why would someone who speaks the word of God, who God has used as his mouthpiece, who knows God face to face, Why would he do this? Why would he run? But even more than that, why would he think he could run? Why, why would he think that it's even a possibility that this God who he knows, who he proclaims, who, who he understands, who he knows, who knows him, how in the world could he think that, you know what? I know this God. I have proclaimed his word and you know what? I am going to run away, right? When I first got into ministry, I was stupid and naive and full of myself and was often able, you know, when I would be confronted 
with a situation or a sin or somebody would confess something to me, I would I'd just be very clear with them. Well, you know, the Bible says this, and the implication of that is, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you doing it? it does, what you're doing doesn't make any sense. Stop being nonsensical and start making sense. And that really worked well. That was... Uh, uh, that, that has gotten me so far in ministry, right? <laughs> this, just, this, just so great. And a wise man looked at me and said, of course it doesn't make any sense. Sin never does. It never does. It never has. It never will. Has God said not to eat that fruit? He knows. When you eat it, you'll be like him. Ignore what God has said. Look at the beautiful fruit and eat it, and you'll be like him. Right? So we've, we're, we're, we, we, to try to make sense of this is, is such, uh, uh, yeah, it's just a fruitless uh, uh, exercise, right? And so one of the things that you have to see about this is, is that Jonah hears this word and he decides he's not going to do it. We'll talk later about his reasons why, but he is not going to do it. And he immediately picks up everything he's got, gets himself together, goes down to the seashore, finds him a ship, pays the fare, gets on the ship because he is going to flee from the presence of the Lord, Right? Now, that's, a, that's, a, that's such an interesting thing to think about, right? Because in some ways, the, the truth is we're, we're good. We have good theology here, right? We know that, that God is present everywhere, that there's no place you can go, right? Where can I go from your presence, right? If I ascend to the heights, you're there. If I go to the bottom, you're there. Uh, even in the darkness, you are there. Wherever you go, God is there. We know that. Uh, and sometimes that's very comforting to us. But in the case of Jonah, I imagine it's not very comforting because what he wants to do is he wants to get someplace away from God. And, and actually what the, the word uh, is, is interesting here that for us to note about that is, is that his decision to flee from the presence of God costs him something right off the bat. Now, I, I don't, I don't want to stretch this point a whole lot, but I will say this, for him to do what he's going to do, what's the first thing he has to do? He has to pay something. It costs him something, and it costs him something uh, that is, uh, he's got to go pay a fare to get away from God. Because here's the thing that we know about being in the presence of God. Here's the thing that we know about knowing God and being known by him. The fact is our standing before God, our place before him is always there by mercy and grace. You don't pay to have access to God. Um. There was a little controversy about that about 500 years ago, right? <laughs> um, and and, and we, that, that is the foundation of what we believe. Our God pays to be with us. Our God pays the price to be in union with us. Our God pays the price to know us and to be, be known by us, right? Jesus sheds his blood. But the, the fact of the matter is, for us, we, we talk about the cost of discipleship, but, but it's not, we, we don't pay something uh, uh, so that we can have access to God. But we will pay a lot when we find ourselves thinking, you know what? This life of following, this life of belonging to, this life of living, and, and next slide, please, uh, uh, Scott, 
Um, this, this life that I, I live here in the presence of God, I don't want to live like that anymore because you have to make the decision, right? Psalm 1611 says, you, made no, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So in other words, what, what, uh, what Jonah is doing here, what he's, he's made the decision is the pleasure of being in the presence of God, even if he calls me to a difficult mission, even if he calls me to go to Nineveh to, to love my enemies, there's more delight, more joy, more enjoyment, more fun, more experience of goodness and pleasure there than there is living independent. And he decides, you know what? I am not going to do that. I reject the fullness of joy and the pleasures forevermore for my own way, my own decision, my own path of life. That's what, that's what he ends up having to decide. That's what he ends up having to, uh, 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 to, to place himself in that situation. And so you read that and you think, why in the world would anybody do that? Well, at least in some way and somehow in Jonah's mind and in our minds as well, we make a calculus that says, this thing that I want to do, this thing that I'm going to do is better for me than what God has for me. Sometimes, sometimes actually, the, 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 the sin that we indulge ourselves in, the, the sin that we give ourselves to, the, the gossip, the cynicism, the, the bitterness, the, the lust, the coveting, those sorts of things, actually give us a bit of pleasure initially, right? No, no one would keep sinning if it was like a, an, a, a, you know, if it was something that was at least initially unpleasant. But it always always ultimately leads to death and to suffering. And so the, the fact of the matter is we, we never, you know, we never, we, we're just not very good at making those decisions. I, I um, have uh, been thinking a lot about, you know, my, my health as I've, as, I've, as, as I've gotten older. You can't help but think about it. You know, uh, the biggest risk factor for dying is living <laughs> and, and the more you live, the longer you live, the greater risk you have of dying. Isn't that, a, isn't that great? That's the, that, is, that is just the most wonderful thing about the human condition, right? This thing that we love, the more we do it, the, the more likely we are to lose it, right? But one of the things that I've been reading is, you know, that good decisions about things you eat and drink and don't smoke and that kind of stuff now is actually loving and being kind to your future self? Well, who is the, who's my future self, you know? Because who knows what he's going to be up to. I like, I, you know, this, you know, 24-ounce steak is right here in the plate in front of me right now, you know? Why not? Um, when, uh, Marty's mom was here with us a, a couple of weeks ago and uh, we, we were laughing about this because, you know, Marty actually has, has uh, been able over the years to accumulate a tiny, and I mean tiny, uh, retirement account. 
And so I told her, I'm like, hey, you're retired. You know, we need to make sure we know where that thing is, you know, so that your former bosses don't do something with it or whatever, you know, to make sure that, uh, that we can access it. And her mom just looked at me and says, get that money out now and spend it. <laughs> I mean, she's deadly serious. Get that money out now and spend it. <laughs> and I was like, uh, uh, well, why would we do that? She's like, well, it's going to be worth less tomorrow than it is today. Um, we don't get financial advice from Marty's mom. So, so, but there's a sense in which that's true, right? When we make these kind of decisions, when we decide that what God has revealed to us, the, the truth of the gospel, the grace that we live in, the pleasures that are at his presence evermore, we're, we're like, you know what? I, I'm going to trade that in for the momentary pleasure. And, and, and we know it's only a momentary pleasure, right? We, we know it's only a thrill. We, we're compelled to do it, and yet, and yet we do it, right? You can never make sense of this. It does not, you're, we, we don't enter into sin rationally. And so what Jonah is doing here does not make sense. And it is, it is not going to uh, end well for him, right? But here's the great news about that. Uh, and this is the thing that gives me confidence today in all of you Jonas. <laughs> right? Is that try as you might to get out of the, away from the face of the Lord, the Lord never lets you go. You may think you can go to Tarshish, but guess what? God's in the sea that you got to traverse to get to Tarshish, right? And so we read this great thing that happens there, right? So, so, so Jonah essentially trades the fellowship of God, right? He goes down to the ship, he pays the fare, he, he begins to pay the price for what he's doing, and he gets in the ship, and the ship begins to sail, and we read uh, the, the Hebrew says that God threw a storm, hurled a storm. It's the, it's the same word that's used for a soldier throwing a spear. So God, God throws a weapon. God, God throws something at Jonah, but it's a weapon of mercy. It's a weapon of grace. You see, the, the storm that comes there that, that makes the, the sailors and Jonah think the ship's going to break apart, we're all going to die, that God is in the storm. And though Jonah has traded the fellowship of God, the peace, the joy of that, for the storm of God, either way, it's of God. Either way, the Lord has to do with Jonah. Either way, Jonah may think he can get away from this, but the Lord's not having it. And it's, it's interesting to, to see how, how Jonah thinks about that, right? That uh, uh, God says to Jonah to go to the great city, and Jonah says, I'm not going to go to the great city. So God says, all right, I'll put you in a great storm. Same word used to describe the city and the storm. So either, either you're in the great city of your enemies with me, enjoying my protection and, and my love and my fruitfulness and my, the, the pleasure that you get from that, or I'll put you in the storm and you can enjoy my presence in the storm. <laughs> right? Now, what we're going to see about this is, is that the storm is the greatest gift God could have given to Jonah. 
But not only is the storm a great gift to Jonah, it's a gift to those sailors as well. And we'll, we'll, see, that, uh, we'll see that next week. Next slide. Um, so, so let's think about this for a second. What, how, do, how do these storms of God work? You know, because you hear that and you think, well, if God sends a storm into my life, I want to avoid that. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't like storms. I don't want to get caught up in that. I want to, I want to avoid that. Well, here's the thing, and we'll talk about this next week. Sometimes you're in a storm because of the person that's in the boat with you. <laughs> Those sailors are in a storm, and they didn't, they're just being sailors. They're just doing their thing. They're just out there on the boat trying to make a living. And what happens? This sinner, fleeing from the presence of God, gets in their boat, and so God doesn't take the sailors out of the boat and throw the storm just at Jonah. So here's a lesson, folks. If you think your sin only impacts you, you have another thing coming because your sin affects virtually everyone around you. And not only does your sin do that, not only do you sin against people, hurt them, say things, do things, that sort of thing, but sometimes even the consequences of your sin affect the people that are around you who've done nothing. That's how insidious and terrible sin is. And so that's one thing to note here is that your sin, my sin, will, 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 will place others that we love, actually innocent people in that sense, in, in the storm as well. But not only that, sometimes, uh, sometimes the storms that we get, sometimes the things that come our way are a de- direct result of our sin. Uh, Tim Keller says this, right? If we violate the laws of God, we're violating our own design since God built us to know, serve, and love him. So if we make a decision, we know that we make a decision, you know what, I'm going to reject that. God sends storms in your life. We, we pray uh, as elders of the church, when we find someone who is indulging something sinfully, we pray that God would essentially send a storm in their life. We pray that that sin would taste bitter, turn their stomach sour, make them sick, make them disgusted with the thing that they are pursuing, and that, we, that God would put them in the middle of a storm and, and, and if need be, terrify them of his severe mercy. Because you see, that's really what, what's happening here. But, but more than that, more than, than that, sometimes the storm, uh, just, uh, the, the storm is, is, is bound up in the sin itself, right? Liars get lied to. Gossips get gossiped about. Complainers get complaints, right? I mean, that's just, that's just kind of the way, uh, the, 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 way the, the complex of sin, that's the way it often works in our lives, right? And so, so sometimes the storm that God sends our way is just the natural consequence of, of our sin and the natural consequence of, of determining that we're going to live a certain way independent of God. But you see, what is so profound about this is, is that the joy that we have in the presence of God, the, the, the delight that we have there, that's what we were built to run on. We think we are built to run on our own desires. We think we are built to run on our autonomy, on us determining what's best for us and pursuing that. But we are made, designed, created, and redeemed to be loved and to love our Creator and Redeemer. And so when we begin to act like that's not true, then those consequences begin to to, to fall upon us. But see, here's the thing. God is in the storm. 
The storm, as terrifying as it is, is a mercy. Because just imagine, what would have happened to Jonah? What, what, what would have happened to Nineveh if Jonah had gotten away with it? When, when Jonah gets to Tarshish, he got away with that. What's, what's, what's he going to do next? His, his conscience becomes seared. His heart becomes hardened. And pretty soon, he doesn't care that he's in Tarshish. He doesn't care that he's fled from the presence of the Lord. He doesn't care that he's missing that delight. He has become so hardened and turned in on himself that it doesn't matter anymore. But God's not going to let that happen. So God stops that. Now, he stops it in a terrifying way. The, the storm feels like it's going to kill him. But God's in the storm. Listen, if you're in the storm this morning, if you're hungover this morning, if you are feeling guilty this morning, if you are uh, angry and bitter this morning and refusing to let go of that, and you're experiencing the storm of, of, of what sin often brings to us, God's in that storm. And it's his mercy to you. It's his grace to you. You should, you, you should repent and thank him for the storm. Can you do that? Can you thank him for the storm? Can you thank him for the storm that he may be sending in the lives of, of people that you love, right? But there's always mercy in God's storm for his people. It's what we trust, that's what we lean into, that's what... That's what we hope for. There was mercy in the pigsty. There was mercy in the pods that the younger brother ate. There was mercy in him coming to himself and realizing that this is no way to live. There's pleasure, there's delight in my father's house. You see, you can't get away from you can't get away from a God whose mercy is so powerful, he uses it like a weapon. That's how good he is. That's how powerful the cross is. We can rest in that today. We can be warned. Um, but in the end, even if we find ourselves in the storm, even if we find ourselves, as we will in a few weeks, in the belly of the fish, God's there. He's with you. He's with Jonah in the storm. And we'll see, as we unpack this, how rich and free and strong his mercy is. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you today for this text. We thank you for this picture of Jonah. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here, uh, uh, for all of us, Lord, who would be tempted to buy into the uh, irrationality of our sinful desires and to pursue those. Lord, thank you that you pursue us even by sending storms into our lives. I pray that you would, uh, you would help us with that. And Lord, I pray today that as we, um, as many of us struggle uh, to think through uh, uh, what it means to see you and to know you in the storm, I pray that you would be gracious, pray that you would be merciful, pray that you would uh, be kind 
And uh, Lord, even in the midst of the storm, that you would speak words of gentleness and grace and healing. Help us. Lord, I pray for those today who might be hopeless, who might think uh, that their sin is so great that the storm will never end. I pray that you would uh, give them the gift of repentance and draw them out, uh, even as you drew Jonah out. And Lord, for those today who uh, feel like they're in a storm but don't know how they got there, I pray that you would... uh, that you'd help them, you'd encourage their hearts, that you would bless them, that you would give them what they need. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's uh, confess our sins together by using Psalm 139. Would you pray with me? You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Friends, hear these words of encouragement from Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Your warfare is ended, your sins are pardoned. The penalty for your rebellion is paid.